Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me tonight I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Oh, you know, I could be better, but, um, you know, it's been a, t- a tough week, but I'm, I'm all right overall. It, it has, it has, and uh, it's been a pretty eventful week, so there's actually a fair bit to get through on and off the pitch. Um, unfortunately, on the pitch, uh, not fantastic news, and I suppose off the pitch it isn't much better, but we will start with the uh, the on-the-pitch results, and we, we did start uh, the weekend with a defeat to Chelsea, unfortunately, in the FA Cup, but positives to be taken from it, 2-1, wasn't a smashing, we were in the game. Uh, we sort of talked last week on the podcast that if we could sort of um, keep it close, keep it tight, uh, as well as providing sort of a pretty attractive game of football to try and convince some of the sellout crowd to come back, uh, that would be a pretty good outcome, and that's sort of what eventuated. But what what was your take on the game, and how did you see the performance? Um, I really enjoyed the game, um, the FA Cup game against Chelsea. I thought, um, I thought even though uh, Chelsea for probably probably had the run of the game for, for the majority, but I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves. We tried to pressure really hard with, um, and really high, and we tried to play a really nice brand of football against um, you know a high-class opposition. And I like the fact that uh, you know it didn't quite work out in the first half. Um, we went in uh, the 1-0 down. And then, um, you know, we made some. McCann made a couple of tactical changes at half time, and that seemed to stifle Chelsea um, a little bit. Particularly, I think it was he basically met, made Honeyman man Mark uh, mm. Kovacic, um, and that seemed to really work. Um, you know, we started we started really strongly. Um, I guess in both halves, we had a really strong start spell, five minute spell to start the game, and then just about on their first um, Chelsea's first attack, they. Uh, deflected the ball past George Long, which was unfortunate. But um, I think for the second half, it was about 15 or 20 minutes where we had sustained yeah. pressure, um, you know, building, creating a lot of good opportunities um, and just couldn't couldn't quite find the finishing blow. But overall, um, you know, I thought it was a really good performance. I thought, um, you know, Long was outstanding, made some amazing saves um, to keep us in the game where it, by all accounts, it probably could have ended up a four or five one game. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, and there was a few other, um, you know, really strong performances. Most, most, mostly all round. I thought um, Mackenzie was a, was great oh, at right he, back. He, he really surprised me because he's one that um, for a while, probably this season, last season, I've seen him as one of those guys who's on the periphery of the team, but wasn't ever a genuine chance of breaking in. He was just sort of like a. Um, we, we've had a fair kind of a revolving door of those younger fullbacks who kind of come in for a couple of games and then don't really make a mark on the side. And I, I'd sort of put him in that category. But this game against Chelsea really made me sit up and take notice because he was skinning some of their players and getting through and playing some fantastic football. Yeah, I think that was the thing. The first half, um, he sort of just stuck. He seemed to just sort of stick to his guns and, and, he, and he contained that right side um, or their, the left side of their attack. 
um, and did really well at that. And you know, but what was con- composed on the ball and you know made his passes and made his tackles and did um, really well. Some really great covering defence. Um, but then in the second half, as you sort of mentioned, he started to to open up a little bit. You know, get into the into the oppos- opposition half, get down in the corner, beat a player, get a cross in. You know, really showed sort of everything that he has to offer. Um, you know, and, and what what better stage in front of a sellout KCOM? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other one for me was Lopez, who um, he, he's had a fantastic season. So this wasn't a breakout game by any means. But I guess, as, as you're sort of saying, in terms of the quality of the opposition as well, um, he our, our midfield in general in the first half, like you sort of said before, wasn't fantastic. I think Kovacic really ran the show for them in that first half. Um, but Lopez really was playing almost like a, a lone hand in that midfield because the amount of times he would take possession of the ball and you'd see a Chelsea player come towards him and you'd think, oh, look, he's going to get muscled off the ball and it's a really dangerous place to lose possession. But his composure and his strengths, and he really set us up on, on quite a few attacking runs. So he, he was really a standout in my eyes as well in that central midfield role. Um, and then I think when um, Grzycki came on, because, uh, look, if we're going to talk negatives, I think Wilkes was a really poor um, choice on the left wing. I don't know if Grzycki potentially wasn't fit enough to start the game, but um, I, I think Wilkes was probably is still not up to scratch. He's not up to match fitness yet. And so he was really struggling to, to track back and give Lehigh much defence, which meant that um, I think it was first Hudson-Odoi and then Willian were really sort of carving us open on that right wing um but when Grzycki came on and and especially after we'd scored the goal uh, which was quite fortunate to be fair but we really started creating a lot of opportunities and a lot of counter-attacking opportunities um especially through Grzycki uh, on that side and so I think um you know there was a, there was a lot of chances and I think as you said I think we played quite well and 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 uh, I mean, you could say we were unlucky to lose the game given the manner of their goals. You could also say we were lucky that the score was as it was because of long saves. But I just think it was, it was a good performance all around. Yeah. Um, I t- I um, I think and then unfortunately, we, we also had a uh, defeat against Huddersfield uh, yesterday morning, our time, which you know does make it three losses in a row now in the championship and really sort of uh, dampens any sort of enthusiasm or um, expectation of a run for the playoffs. Um, it's not over. It's not over till the fat lady sings, as they say, but it is looking increasingly unlikely. Um, and I guess, I guess it was just disappointing the manner of the defeat. Um, I think, I guess going behind, but then drawing level, we, we then had all the momentum going into that second half. And yes, there was that long stoppage with the goalkeeper going down injured. Um, but I, I did see it pointed out. I think during that stoppage, it was really only um, the Huddersfield Town coach or manager who who kind of gathered his players together and. Gathered... And I think um, McGann just sort of left the players to themselves, and I, I don't know if that really counted against us because we looked really flat after the restart. Huddersfield Town seemed to re- regather their impetus, and and they went on and, and scored the winner, which um, which is a really unfortunate one. But how did you see this one, and 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 what do you? Th- think of the ramifications of the game i guess um i would say overall i was probably pretty disappointed um i'd say overall i was i was probably pretty disappointed with the result um and a bit disappointed with a few performances as well but um there were some positives to take out of the game but i think overall now that puts us three consecutive losses in the league um and that gap, I think, to the top six is seven or eight points now. Um, you know, it's pretty 
it's pretty damaging um and it's you know much the same story as what happened last season we got so close and then the couple of results that went against us and we fell away so um yeah it's it's very frustrating to especially those games like that, that we, we said last week that this is the sort of game you target you go you know this is a game we definitely should be winning you know closing that gap um or at least you know not having it extended and and um just just disappointing in a couple of couple of um couple of couple of ways um yeah, and, and I mean, look, it, it's funny because like looking at the game last week, I probably wouldn't have thought of it as a must-win game, but coming out at the back back of it with the loss, um, it really it, it's surprising how uh, defi- season-defining it seems to have become because there does seem to be. I know the players and the manager are going to say their usual sort of things to the media and really pump the team up and try and get them going for next week, uh, which is a tough game itself. Um, but you sort of you look at, and we'll talk in a second about off-field manoeuvres. Um, but you, you sort of look at the the state of play, and you just think, look, it does become a bit too far to climb. Um, and it's interesting, as you say, it's happened two seasons in a row now, and it sort of makes you wonder whether it's more a mental than uh, capabilities. Uh, especially when you look at the fact that early in the season we were knocking off uh, Fulham, Brentford, Forest, um, getting wins against good opposition. So it's not as if I don't think the quality's lacking. It's just potentially maybe it's, you know, legs getting a bit heavy from not getting a rest. Um, I know Jackson basically didn't play the Chelsea game and and I think only just came on late in the game uh, yesterday morning. So he's now had a little bit of a rest. Whether that's necessary, he can now take Honeyman's spot and and maybe sort of improve that midfield a bit. Um, I've got to say I've been reasonably underwhelmed with Kane so far. I don't think he's hit the ground running as much as I would have hoped. He's not made the sort of impact that you would hope from, um, um, from that sort of signing. He's just, I guess, more of the same of what we've got. Um, and, and I mean, Wilk, to be fair, Wilkes, I thought, was a lot better against Huddersfield than he was against Chelsea, so he was really um, a positive for me. Um, I guess the worry as well is that Bowler's now reported to be out till April. Um, so you think sort of the depth that we had there is really sort of we've replaced a couple of players in January, but they're now basically just replacing our injuries rather than adding to the squad. So uh, all in all, it's a bit of a concerning situation. Yeah, there was a couple of things. I think what you touched on Jackson um, on Ovan not getting a lot of game time. I was probably I was a little bit surprised, um, yeah. particularly with how strong. Like when he came on, he had a huge impact. He had two or three really good chances, um, and the same with Eves. I was probably surprised that Eves didn't. I honestly, I'm very underwhelmed with Magennis. Yeah. Um, he hasn't. I don't really think he's done a lot. He doesn't seem to add a lot in attack. He's got Jaggy with a couple of. He got got a couple of penalties maybe and. Um, and a couple of okay goals, but like Eves came on and his first thing to do was a cracking header, which was yeah. a great save from Grabara. Um, so, you know, it was, um, but the, I guess these are the decisions that McCann's making. I think that, that somewhat, I think, is also part of the reason we've sort of fallen away is that the team, the 11 that we had that was winning all those games, or that won us a lot of games and got us in a really strong position. Now you know, sure he's he's recruited Herbie Kane and he likes Herbie Kane. He's worked with him before, but he's come in and he hasn't really added anything. But he's then had to take he's you know pulled say Jackson Irvine out of the midfield. Yeah, and and you know we probably are actually a little bit weaker with with some of these the guys that he's brought in and and installed straight into the into that first team yeah and and i mean i can sort of appreciate not so much in herbie's case as he's obviously on loan and i guess wilkes is as well although that 
potentially it looks like it will become a permanent. Um, I can sort of appreciate, yes, okay, they're investing in youth, they're investing in the future, but when you're in a fight for a promotion spot, I look back at our last, uh, well, sorry, our first promotion tilt under Steve Bruce when we got to January and we were looking really strong and we actually went out and we added George Boyd as a really capable, experienced winger slash attacking midfielder in the division who added goals just as they were sort of starting to dry up because Aluko was injured and, and Jay Simpson wasn't doing fantastically well. Um, you need to be adding that sort of experience. And I'm sure uh, well, we, in, in, in January in um, the more recent promotion spot push, I, I'm pretty sure we added Maloney, if I'm not mistaken, and, and, and Nick Powell as well, and uh, Diamande arrived as well. Diamande was probably a bit more hit and miss, but it was sort of going for those more experienced additions, more um, more promising additions to actually enhance the squad rather than the additions that we've made this January so far and potentially looks like we might be making over the next 24, 48 hours are more the sorts of things you do in, in summer when you're looking at building a squad for the season, you're looking to build some, you know, put some youth into the squad and, and add some enthusiasm, but you also need to sprinkle in a bit of experience as well and I just don't see where that's coming from now. I think it's great to have such a young, exciting, promising squad, but you do need to have a bit of experience in there as well to, to kind of pull everyone along and, and lift them up when they're um, starting to struggle and give them some sort of experience that they've gone through. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what you said about the signings is, is pretty pretty spot on. Um, when you talk about previous you know promotion pushes and promotion chances, I even think of um, the last time we did get promoted where we had to end up going through the playoffs, but we were... In, even then, we were in an um, automatic spot for a lot of the season and then fell away again at a similar time of the season to end up having to, to go through those promote the playoff spots. So um, just an interesting trend, I suppose, that's starting to appear, you know, in, in, in I guess, in, in our, you know, in our history mm-hmm. now um, that we, we can perform really well for, I guess, three quarters of the season and get ourselves into a strong position and then the same sort of time you know january february we sort of have a bit of a fall away and i mean i'm still you know um i'm probably not as optimistic as i was you know a month or two ago about you know our our chances overall but i mean if if we can get back on track you know like sooner rather than later because i i think the the longer we go without a win you know obviously the harder it gets and the more it becomes you know you start needing to win 10 out of 10 games sort of sort of thing but um, I think at the moment we can we we can sort of only really still afford to drop two or three more over the course of the the, the remainder of the season. So it's it's pretty touch and touch and go as it is. But um, I'm you know very mildly optimistic. But um, the 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 players are definitely um, you know pu- pushing me to the to the edge of my of patience, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, and just before we move on to the next topic, I will also add, um, I was actually um, uh, invited onto a podcast for a Chelsea group over in the UK called At The Bridge. Uh, so I think that's being released in the next few days. Uh, and basically we talked about the uh, the FA Cup game and I sort of gave my perspective on a couple of Hull players, in particular Jared Bowen. So maybe worth checking out if anyone's interested in that. Um, but we, we'll move on to probably the uh, the most gripping topic of conversation over the last day or so, and that was the news that emerged last night um, about Kamal Krasicki and his move to West Brom, which has sort of, to an extent, come up out of nowhere. I think for a while McGann's been sort of saying that we were pretty much done in the window, he was happy with what he had, there hadn't been any bids for Jared, and, and that was that. 
Um, sort of, I, I alluded it. I alluded to it before when we were talking about the uh, how definitive that Huddersfield game now feels in retrospect. Because you look at that gap to the top six, and I actually don't at all blame the club for looking at Camel and saying you're in the last six months of your deal. We're not going to renew your contract because it's it's a pretty significant wage. Um, look at what happened with Henriksen. We haven't been able to sell him this window. Um, clubs coming in basically offering my my understanding is it's basically a million plus a little bit more if they get promoted uh which is looking reasonably like likely although they're they're looking a bit shaky lately so you see you call it a million 1.5 million maybe for for Grzycki and you say can you really afford to pass that up and I actually it was funny the timing of it all because I'd actually messaged you guys in in our little chat um shortly before that to say I was actually coming around to the idea of selling Bowen because from a very similar sort of way of thinking, um, being pragmatic, looking at the table, thinking about our chances of making the playoffs, it comes to a point where you say, well, actually, maybe it is a great time to cash in. Um, he's admittedly not in fantastic form. If that carries on for the second half of the season, will his value just drop off a cliff? Um, what can he add to the side for the rest of the season if we are not to make the playoffs? Would it make more sense to cash in on him now potentially get a new signing in, hitting the ground running, getting up to speed before next season, or giving a Lewis Potter or someone like that game time. Um, I, I, I don't know quite if I'd be willing to, to, to let both Grzycki and Bowen go in the next couple of days. I think that would probably hit the team a bit too much. Um, but it's, it's look, it's a really fascinating situation that we've ended up in, and it's going to be a very interesting couple of final days with the transfer window. So what have, what have you made of the news about Grzycki? Um, yeah, I think this sort of the same as you. It sort of came way out of, um, out of left field, I suppose. I wasn't expecting it, um, you know, blindsided a little bit. But as you say, you know, it's hard to it's hard to sort of knock that back. You know, twelve months ago, you know, six months ago, even like you know, probably Henriksen probably should have gone um, because that hasn't worked out. And I think that they've learned from that, and they're sort of going, okay, well, if we activate you know, Grisicki's 12, a 12 month extension. We have to pay that 27,000 yeah. pounds a week, you know, and I think Grisicki's much more, you know, marketable, um, than, than Henriksen, um, you know, not, and that's not meant to be a slight against Henriksen. It's just that, you know, as a, you know, pacey, exciting, attacking winger, as opposed to a, you know, a, a, you know, defensive box to box, you know, midfielder sort of yeah. thing. It's just, just how, you know, the window works, and, and often you're, you're chasing those attacking players to to help push your you know pro, your fight for promotion or safety or whatever it is. But um, I think uh, I think they're wary of, of making that same mistake again. And and you know a, as you touched on, it's it, from a business sense, and unfortunately that is you know football clubs now they are a business. Um, so from a business sense, it makes it makes sense to to to, ca- to cash in on Grisicki. Um as you said, and I, I am um, with the same sentiment, I would be very concerned if if Grisicki goes and then Bowen went as well. I think that would leave us um, in just about in disarray. Um, I, you know, the funds would be nice, but you know, right at the end of the window, the the end of the January window, when January already has inflated prices, yeah. is you know, what are we really going to get? I feel like that twenty million is going to get um, sort of spent before you know it and probably not as well as it as it could. 
Um, so it might even if he if they did go, it might be better just to uh, you know bring maybe one or two you know not huge signings in, just consolidate and leave the the majority of that you know to to try and source someone decent um, in the summer. But I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. That's for sure. Yeah, and and the other player who's been linked with a move away, which I think is probably a non-starter, is Device being linked to LA Galaxy. But I think that one, um, much like Lopez's potential link to a ML, an MLS club as well, I don't see as happening anytime soon. Um, we, we'll activate his clause. It won't be very for a very high wage. He'll play for another season, if not more. Uh, he sounds very happy here. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, the 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 news about Krasicki did come with also the rumours that Newcastle had put in a pretty substantial bid for Bowen, which I think um, would have been around about the twenty million plus add-ons. Um, that one that one was a bit worrying as well because that was sort of in the ballpark of what we were asking for. Uh, but I think there was a mention in the Hull Daily Mail article today that that's been discredited by by people close to Bowen and close to the club. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that's true. Um, with with the with the sale of Grzycki though there is um, sort of a, a need or, or a desire to look for a replacement and the two names that have been linked so far Jordan Jones from Rangers who I've got to admit I'm not particularly thrilled by because sort of gives off Milinkovic vibes to an extent he's uh, played three games for the season for them and he's scored no goals so not a fantastic sort of um, return for a winger I don't know if he's been injured or anything like that but not been out on loan anywhere so that's a bit of a concern. Um, and the other one who we've sort of been on and on again, off again, linked to even going back to last summer was Marcus Madison from Peterborough. Uh, and the interesting one about this, so he's 26, 52 goals in, in about 200 appearances for them, which, you know, talking about wanting a bit more of an experienced player, he, he really does sort of fit into that mold. Um, the interesting one about this was that the Peterborough chairman was on, I think it was on Sky Sports News yesterday, saying Madison was likely to leave the club and he was likely to go to a mid-table championship club about to sell two players. And so the, the positive aspect from that is we can say, hey, that could be us, you know, mid-table championship, Grzycki going, potentially, unfortunately, maybe Bowen going, so that could be us. But then if that's true, and it means that Bowen's going, it's probably not a great great, uh, great outcome. But... Um, Look, you know, joining joining the dots, adding two and two and getting five, we're sort of saying that maybe that's us. Um, what, what do you make of the potential links to these players? And, and are they the sorts of players that you want to be seeing us replacing Grzycki with and potentially Bowen as well, I guess? Um, all I will say is I don't really know much about either of those <laughs> players, um, to be honest. Um, you know, if we're lucky, maybe one of those two players that this mid-table championship club is selling or has sold is Milinkovic and yeah, then that, Milinkovic that was, and Grisicki yeah. adds two and we get to keep Bowen and that was my thought as well um, I was like oh geez hopefully it's, it's about Milinkovic yeah um but uh yeah I, look to be honest I don't have a, know a lot I think um if it's Peterborough then would that be has he worked with McCann yeah, before yeah. So, which seems to be a theme. I mean, McGann seems yeah. to enjoy, and I think the uh, the link with um, uh, who was it uh, Jones is because he's Northern Irish. So I think McGann might have even played with him for Northern Ireland. So it uh, seems to be sort of yeah. a common theme that he does seem to like going after players that he knows quite well. Yeah, I mean, um, I get. I think all mo- most managers sort of have that that they, they, they've got. Maybe not for for every player they've ever worked with, but they always seem to have one or two that they, you know, are happy to 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 have have them follow them along if they change clubs. So, um, I mean, if if um, 
if he is, I mean, for, for the most part, most of the other guys that McCann's brought with him um, that have worked with him have been, I've been pretty impressed with. Um, I think Wilkes, we've, we've only seen, you know, a game and a half from him. Yeah. Uh, there's been flashes um, of brilliance. There's, I think the only decent thing he did in the Chelsea game, unfortunately, was a really nice cross. Um, you know, didn't, but apart from that, didn't do a lot. But I think that was somewhat of the tactics that were employed in the first half. Uh you know, but as you said, a much better performance against Huddersfield. So, you know, there's there's signs there. I think Tafazoli's been awesome. Um, you know, and so there's there's some good signs from the guys that have worked with him and, and that know his style. So, you know, if if um, Madison is one of those and did happen to join, then um, I would I would imagine he'd be hopefully reasonably successful. Absolutely. So it's going to be a really interesting final couple of days of the window. I'm, I'm almost expecting Grzycki to be sold as we're recording this, but uh, nothing so far. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, and we've got a pretty important game this weekend as well. I, I guess I call it important because every game from this point on is really, uh, I wouldn't say a must win, but certainly this one, we've really got to turn around the slump of three losses in a row. And it, it is against Brentford at home. So um, pretty tough opposition, um, but we've both got two wins in our last five, so similar sort of form. Um, uh, what do you make of this one? Do you, you sort of see it as, as almost a free hit in the sense that we're probably not expected to get much out of it and therefore maybe maybe it'll loosen the players up a bit? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I guess like my only thoughts on this game is that we should basically start with, the it with a lineup similar to how we finished Huddersfield, we seem to. I don't know what what's happened over the last month where our what worked for most of the season is sort of not working now. But once we had McGinnis and McGinnis and Eves on the park together, and we, we seem to have a lot more impetus going uh, going forward, um, a lot more momentum, and we seem to be you know developing a lot more attacking play. So, I mean, I would probably just go um, start with the two up top. You've got Ken Lewis Potter on the bench to replace one of them if needed. Um, you know that that's probably about as much as I can really, really offer. I think, yeah. um, sort of as you say, like, it's a, it's a, it, and, I, and I mentioned before, we're at that point where almost all our games are must-win games yeah. if we want to, if we're trying, still trying to make that the playoffs. And I mean, we should, but also realistically, it may be that at, that eight-point gap may be very difficult to overcome um, in the last part of the season. So. I think we just got to go out and, and do all we can do. And, I mean, I'm hopeful that we'll get the result, um, but, you know, it'll be what it'll be. Yeah, and look, it is unfortunate that we've had a couple of poor injuries um, at this time of the season with Elder and Device out of the side. Um, it's a curious stat, but it's one that continues that we still can't win a game without El- uh, without Device in the side. I think that's now nine games without a win uh, with him missing um, so look you know fingers crossed he can get back sooner rather than later because he's he's such a vital part of that defense um, but but yeah same as you I think look it is almost worth just going gung-ho and attack now um, like you said I think we looked much better when but I just uh, it's interesting with Bowen it's you know he, he scored so many goals from the wing that you'd think he'd be almost better up top because he'd be given a um, clearer side at goal, more focus put on him. Um, but you see it sometimes with these players. Um, I can think, you know, off the top of my head, like Richarlison at Everton, for instance, where he's a winger as well. But when he gets played up top, he actually kind of um, falls back in on himself. And I think Bowen's a little bit the same where he just, 
whether he's playing in that attacking midfield role or as striker, I just don't think he offers as much as he does out on the wing because I think he gets that little bit more space. He can cut inside. He can be a bit more tricky, run to the byline, etc. So I think we looked a whole lot better when he actually did get shifted out wide um, when um, uh, Eves came on because um, I think we almost basically went with a f- forward four at that point. Um, but... Yeah, look, it's it's a tough one. I I think I I agree with you. I think I'd rather see Eve starting the game than Magennis. But if we were to play both of them, um, look, I wouldn't be opposed to that either, and see how we go. Um, <clears throat> but just before we finish off, um, it, it has been a pretty big episode. We do have a pretty significant football flashback of the week, um, which coincidentally does come from just about exactly three years ago today against Liverpool in the Premier League, uh, where we, we we did run out victors two nil. Um, a significant game for two reasons. Uh, well, a win against Liverpool is always significant in and of itself. But uh, it was our last league sellout at the KCOM, um, which was a stat I was alerted to when I saw that the Chelsea Chelsea game was our first sellout since that game. Um, but it was also, funnily enough, uh, Krasicki's debut for Hull, which is pretty incredible when you think that it's been three years with him in the side. Um, and it was our third win in a row at home against Liverpool, which... I would be pretty confident in saying that there is not a single team in world football at the moment that could boast a similar stat. So uh, <laughs> all in all, a pretty incredible win. Um, well, you know, significant win for Silver at the time, really kind of kept us fighting against relegation. Um, it was a uh, it was a very unique in a lot of ways Hull City lineup because we had guys like Aleb Dalawi and Renokia and Ndiaye in that starting eleven who obviously were only with us for the uh, the six months. But then you also had, you know, Maguire, Robertson, Jakubovic, Huddleston, um, Evandro, Klukas and Hernandez. So it was a really sort of weird blend of the old, the old, the temporary and the new with Grzycki there as well, who's still with us. So uh, it's, it's, it's this sort of weird lineup when you look at it, when you've got your Huddleston and your, uh, you know, and Hernandez and stuff from, you know, the fir- that first Bruce spell in the Premier League, then you got Klukas and and stuff from that you know promotion season out of the Championship, and then the silver loans, and then Grzycki. So, uh, what w- what did you make of that game? Um, yeah, I had a little bit of a look back at it earlier, um, and you know, as you sort of mentioned with the lineup, I I sort of was thinking that's that's probably got to be close to the strongest lineup yeah. we've probably ever fielded. Um, as a club, you know, um, you know, in the Premier League with with guys. I mean, Renokia was. I'd never, you know, that was sort of one, you know, the rumor came um, and I went, oh, wow, that'd be, that'd be a signing and didn't really think it was going to come off and it, and it did. And he was, I thought he was really good for, you know, how would, what would he have played second half of the season? Maybe like maybe 12 or 15 games. Yeah. He was, you know, I thought he was really good for. Apart from that back you know, pass against Palace, but other than that, yeah, or was yeah, it back I, pass I, or miss, miss clearance or something? Yeah. Apart yeah, from that, say, he was, yeah. you know. For, if it was if it was 15 then 12 of 15 games <laughs> i thought he was great um yeah. you know uh scored a couple of goals i think you know yeah. did a bit of everything um you know a great through ball in this game to set up the second goal <laughs> um yeah but i think uh yeah it was it was one, one of the best um lineups we've had um in terms of just just pedigree i guess um and nice to see as you as you sort of touched on some of those older um those players that not necessarily old but players that we have fond memories of guys yeah. like Huddleston and Jakubovic um so yeah I don't know it was it was an interesting um game and looking at the highlights it was um 
there's a bit of a I guess you know the typical of what we were those wins we were pulling out then that there was there was a bit of a snatch and grab sort of sort of a game you know we we um, the first goal was a bit fl- bit bit lucky a bit of a um, minule mistake um, and they threw plenty at us and and you know a, apart from a couple of miscued strikes from Coutinho and some amazing saves from Jakubovic you know we were probably lucky to to still be one nil up for for you know coming. Um, for for a large portion of that, but um, you know, then a, a lovely Renokia through ball from just outside uh, for halfway into from our half to set the ass away, um, you know, and, and a couple of and a nice finish to to seal it. So um, I think overall it was a, it was a, it's a fo- game with fond memories, and sort of as you mentioned, it had pretty um, you know, strong repercussions for for our form at the time, and and put us in a position where we were pretty close to securing um safety that season but sort of we fell away over the last probably half a dozen games of that season yeah and, and look it is it is interesting I, I also watched the highlights today and it's 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 i guess we've become so accustomed to seeing this liverpool side under Klopp just sort of sweeping aside everyone uh and you look at this game and i think i heard the stat during their highlights that it was actually their first loss as a club where Mane had started the game uh, which is pretty remarkable um and and it's it's crazy like you kind of said with Coutinho was in the side Mane like they had a, it was a very similar or very strong lineup very similar to the lineup that they have now uh give or take a couple of additions with you know Allison in goal and Salah on the wing and all that sort of thing but it was a very strong Liverpool side and um you know to get that sort of win over them at the time under Klopp so you know they were really starting to get going under Klopp as well at that point um it was a it was a pretty fantastic win and yeah, it's 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 strange to think that that was uh, Grzycki's debut for us. So uh, obviously a pretty memorable game for him to start with. Um, and you know, if if um, if it is to be that he's played his last game for us, you know, his his final game against Premier League opposition in Chelsea, he, he scored a goal. So he's kind of bookended his City career pretty neatly with um, with a pretty pretty decent three year spell. Yeah, I, th- I think he's been. Um, uh, he was a bit enigmatic enigmatic to start but i think overall he's been you know hugely successful hugely popular um if he if he does go then honestly i wish him you know the best in the remainder of his career um if he stays for the lot for the next six months then you know i hope he scores a bunch of goals for us yeah absolutely and look i think i've sent a few people on twitter um pretty amazed at the transfer fee being as low as it is i think you know, you have to be pragmatic to an extent. He's 31, turning 32 pretty soon. Six months left on his deal. Um, you know, on a pretty so- solid wage for the um, for the championship. I don't think you can really begrudge the fee a whole lot. I don't think you would have got a whole lot more for him, especially at this point in the window as well. Um, I'm sure West Brom basically just tested the waters, and um, we, you know we sort of blinked first, but. You know, it wouldn't have been without a fair bit of negotiation or at least indication of what it would take to pry him um, away from the club. If it is to be his final game against Huddersfield, it is what it is. And like you, look, I wish him all the best. I think he's been pretty harshly done by by fans of the club at different points. He's always sort of, I guess there's always been the rumours that he was going to leave, and he never did. So he, he was really, in the end, ended up being quite a loyal player. You, you look at, um, you know, he joined us that January probably with the promise of, you know, let's try and keep the club up, otherwise we'll try and sort you out with a move. That didn't eventuate. He's he stuck with us. He he clearly loves the club, loves the area. His um his daughter is growing up in Hull, I believe. Um, and so he seems to be quite happy here. He he did talk about trying to sign a new deal, 
um, clearly couldn't kind of come to an agreement on wages and and, and uh, length of the deal, perhaps. Um, but yeah, can't begrudge him at all. And I think he's been fantastic for the club. And um, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it might have been with Mitch, it might have been with yourself as well, when we sort of looked at who the who the top five Hull City scorers were for the 2010s. It's pretty amazing when you consider that he's in that top five um, when he's just, he's just ticked over or, or hasn't even quite ticked over three years at the club. So... Uh, you, you can't argue with the impact that he's made here and, and yeah, absolutely all the best to him going forward. Um, but thank you for joining me, Dan. No worries. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can bounce back to uh, to get a decent win against Brentford um, this coming weekend and uh, fingers crossed we don't uh, end up with too many players out the door in the next couple of days. Um, just as a reminder as well, the, the game against Brentford is actually the early game, so it will be televised here in Australia, so it'll be available on BN Sports and KO and, and all those good places. So hopefully everyone's up cheering on City to a uh, to a great win this weekend. And until next time, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Going higher and higher There's no turning